What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. Hey there, this is your Matt Prophet of the Airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada News, Notes and Opinions from the Underground for Monday, December the 5th in the year of our Lord 2022. Here we go, the beginning of another week, another week of standing up for truth, beauty and goodness. The website, therichardserrettshow.com, therichardserrettshow.com, and the number to get on board and join the conversation is 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, and I will take your calls later this hour. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Here's what's coming up on the show today. I'm just going to get right 
to the setup here because we've got another action-packed radio program. And I tell you, it feels like another Edward R. Murrow award winner. Just saying. I have a feeling. I have a hunch. My, uh, my colleague here on Saga 960, Mark Petrone, will be here. And uh, you can hear Mark, of course, weekday afternoons from 1 to 3 p.m. He'll be joining me live from his home in beautiful and free Florida, where he lives in a state of uh, self-imposed exile. And if you haven't listened to Mark Petroni before, you really need to check it out. First of all, or check him out. First of all, he's a conservative like me. And uh, he's also a very talented uh, musician. Over the weekend, while I was out working on the backyard hockey rink, Mark sent me a song. It's his latest parody he does these from time to time. Let me give you just a little taste of it. This is uh, Mark Petrone here. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. Check it. There's a little bit of that. I'll play more later. That's uh, Mark's version of the Beastie Boys. You've got to fight for your right to party. Remember that classic from the late 80s? Obviously, this one is about uh, our crime minister singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody in London, where he was supposed to be mourning the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. So Mark Petroni joins me. We'll talk about his new uh, parody song and a few other things, no doubt. Last Order of Business, Hour 2. Last week... I think it was. Uh, Linda Slobodian, senior columnist with the Western Standard, was on the show talking about a caseworker from Veterans Affairs who was exposed for having counseled at least one that we know of, at least one Canadian Armed Forces veteran. This caseworker counseled this uh, veteran to consider doctor-assisted suicide, right? We've been talking about this for some time now. The culture of death in this country. Think about that. A veteran probably suffering from PTSD after serving in Afghanistan calls the helpline, the lifeline it's called, at Veterans Affairs, looking for help, and the caseworker suggests he consider suicide. Now, this caseworker has been uh, suspended, and there is now an RCMP investigation. Well, Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here in the second hour with an update to this ongoing story. New evidence has surfaced showing at least nine soldiers... Nine were counseled to consider suicide by at least four separate caseworkers with Veterans Affairs. First it was one, now it's four. So we can, we can see how widespread this is. A few weeks ago on this uh, program, Tom Korski, managing editor at Blacklocks Reporter, was here to tell us about how some of his so-called colleagues in the parliamentary press gallery were trying to get him and Blacklocks expelled from the press gallery. The reason? Well, Tom shamed and embarrassed them for not being transparent about the fact 
These news organizations they work for are bought and paid for by the liberal government. So Tom suggested that they should warn the public that they're bought and paid for on their news websites. They didn't like the idea, and they voted it down. But that wasn't good enough, because Tom Korski is an actual journalist, not some toady carrying water for the liberal government while simultaneously fawning all over the crime minister. They wanted Tom expelled. Well, it happened. Executives from the press gallery board, made up of news organizations from the lamestream media, the bought and board paid for media, had Tom Korski removed from the press gallery by the police. You heard me correctly. Members of the lamestream media who received subsidies to stay in business from the liberal government called the police and had another journalist who works for a news outlet that refuses to take money from the Trudeau government they had, uh, and had him kicked out of the National Press Gallery. Tom Korski joins me in hour two. I don't know, maybe the, the bought and paid for lamestream media cowards in this country were reacting to a debate held last week at Roy Thompson Hall, the Monk debates. They're, they do them twice a year. The debate shone a light on the credibility of the mainstream news. The resolution, be it resolved, don't trust the mainstream media. That was the debate. Don't trust the mainstream media. It didn't go so well. Arguing in favor of the resolution was American journalist Matt Tabby, who is currently in the center of the Twitter file scandal. And I'll have more on that tomorrow with Dr. Steve Turley, incidentally. But the other debater arguing in favor of the resolution... Again, the resolution, don't trust the mainstream media, was British author and political commentator Douglas Murray, who is the author of The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity. Here's Douglas Murray laying waste to our lamestream media. Your prime minister decided in advance that these people were, oh, what did he do? All the modern uh, excommunications. They were Nazis. They were white supremacists. They were anti-Semites. They were probably homophobes. They were misogynists. They were probably transphobes, etc., etc., etc. He did all the things you do in the modern political age if you want to just defenestrate somebody who's awkward to you. And then he brings in the Emergency Powers Act. Now, at such a time, what would the mainstream media do? It would question it. It would question it. The Canadian mainstream media did not. The Canadian mainstream media acted as an Amen chorus of the Canadian government. I will give you a couple of examples. But, ladies and gentlemen, I could go on for hours with examples of this. You had a CBC host describing the Freedom Convoy as a, quote, feral mob. You had a Toronto Star columnist saying, quote, sorry for the language, it's a homegrown hate farm that was then jet-fueled by an American right-funded rat operation. They can't even write at these papers anymore. There you go. That's Douglas Murray at the Monk Debates. And again, uh, oh, incidentally, the resolution, don't trust the mainstream media. The audience voted after the debate 69% in favor of the resolution. In other words, 69 or 70% basically of those in attendance agreed that the uh, that we shouldn't trust the mainstream media. He nailed it. Uh, a few months ago, Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz came to Canada desperate to buy our liquid natural gas. You see, his people are facing a very tough winter. Much of their LNG comes from Russia. Sanctions now prevent Germany from buying natural gas from Russia. The German government was foolish enough to listen to the likes of uh, a deeply troubled and unstable teenager named Greta Thunberg. So they closed down their coal-powered electricity generators and even their nuclear plants. And now they're screwed. So Scholz came to Canada hoping to buy our LNG. 
It would have been an enormous deal, an enormous boon to our economy, hundreds of billions of dollars. But our crime minister, Sox, wasn't interested. Of course, he's too busy trying to destroy our economy. And he still listens to Greta Thunberg. And he gets his orders from Klaus Schwab, who wants to return much of the Western world to the Dark Ages. Well, Scholz left Canada looking slightly confused, and who wouldn't? I mean, imagine going into a store and offering to pay top dollar for most of the goods in the store and then having the storekeeper tell you, no, not interested. Germany just announced they've entered a deal to buy their LNG from Qatar. Qatar. That is, Qatar. Qatar is a horrible country. It's run like a quasi-dictatorship. Nothing ethical about Qatar's natural gas. Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, will be here this hour to remind us what we all lost when Trudeau said no thanks to Germany. As promised, I'll take your calls later this hour as well. 289-275-9600. You can get on board now if you'd like. 289-275-9600. But coming up first, imagine my shock when I learned that the Toronto District School Board's policy of coddling bullies drug dealers, and generally bad seeds in our public schools has been an abysmal failure. In fact, in the five years since the program to entrench police officers inside our schools was cancelled, incidents of school shootings and stabbings has risen. Sue Ann Levy from True North has that story next. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Monday, December the 5th. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. So we're uh, waiting on Sue Ann Levy from the uh, from the True North, and um, in her absence, I'm just going to crib here from this uh, article, and it's up at TNC.News. Again, support independent media. We're learning more and more every day how uh, really they are all we have in terms of uh, journalists. They're in the mainstream. They're not in the mainstream media, folks. They're the independents. So we have to support them. And I have uh, many of them on this program. So uh, getting back to Sue Ann Levy's uh, piece, in the summer of 2017, Sue Ann writes, she sat beside activist Desmond Cole at the Toronto Police Services Board meeting as he and members of Black Lives Matter tried to bully the board This is the police services board tried to bully the board into getting rid of the successful cops in school program. This is where they put police officers right in the schools. A long list of teachers and students from across the Toronto District School Board appeared that day to relay their positive experiences with the program. One former York Memorial student bravely told the meeting that certain black students don't like police officers because of the, the uh, quote, whole gang-related stuff going on. A subsequent $30,000 review of the Student Resource Officer Program, the SRO, this is, again, this is the program that puts cops in Toronto District School Board schools. So they spent $30,000 to review this program And they found the majority of students, staff, and parents surveyed reported that cops in schools made them feel safer. Okay, let me repeat that. A majority of the students, staff, and parents surveyed found that the, um, uh, sorry, reported that cops in schools made them feel safer. Many said they were less worried about bullying, drugs, weapons, and vandalism 
with an SRO in their schools. Again, a student resource officer. Yet, yet, the politicians and trustees, including North America's most ridiculous mayor, that's my, my, my term, uh, including Mayor John Tory, took a knee to the activists, believing their mantra about students being, quote, marginalized by the cops. Since the program was canceled nearly five years ago, there has been a steady decline in the quality of life in many TDB, TDSB high schools, culminating in a rash of deadly shootings and stabbings this fall. In the past year, with activist education director Colleen Russell Rollins and her caring and safe schools, anti-oppression, anti-black racism, hug-a-thug agenda in existence, there are few consequences for bad behavior. Again, I'm uh, cribbing here from uh, a reading from Sue Ann Levy's piece for True North. Suspensions and expulsions are virtually non-existent, and violence is ignored to the point where teachers have walked off the job at York Memorial Collegiate, according to recent reports, fearing for their safety for almost, uh, from almost daily fights in the hallways and an actual fight club in the school's hall- hallways. School administrators are left to helplessly watch as inmates run the asylum. Yet, the politicians continue to offer the best definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Over the years, Toronto City officials have thrown more than $300 million at poverty and youth equity programs to convince youth not to burn, or sorry, not to turn, and to burn the schools, uh, to convince youth not to turn to violence and the gun, with absolutely no accountability for the dollars spent. In late 2018, then Minister of Border Security and Organized Crime Reduction, Bill Blair tossed another $7 million down the drain on social programs to tackle youth violence in Toronto. With, a vir- with accountability virtually non-existent, it is clear none of these programs have worked and have only permitted those in, in, in the poverty industry to grow their ranks. So this week, John, uh, Toronto Mayor John Tory released a statement after meeting with TDSB Education Director Russell Rollins and Chair Rachel Chernos Lynn, indicating they've decided to prioritize schools that need enhanced youth programming, mental health supports, and more free breakfast programs. Yeah, that'll do it. Anyway, the uh, the article goes on, and um, again, this is Sue Ann Levy doing terrific work. Who else is writing about this stuff? Nobody. It's just bedlam in the public schools in the city of Toronto. They need to bring back the cops, entrench them in the schools. They're called uh, student resource officers. But they were chased out five years ago under pressure from anti-racism activists. Everything they touch, as I've said many times, turns to complete Shinola. All right. Uh, Sue Ann, obviously hard at work on breaking another story, but uh, we'll get her on at some point again in the near future. In the meantime, we're going to open up the phone lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. You can respond to that article or just about anything else you want to talk about. You know, please don't come on the air and, uh, you know, thinking we're going to swap veal recipes. There's too much to discuss. 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. I was just reading a piece from Sue Ann Levy from True North. 
And um, five years ago, under pressure from Black Lives Matter and anti-racism activists, the progressive left, in other words, took a perfectly sound program taking police officers and placing them in the public schools. And uh, BLM and certain activists didn't like this idea because it was successful. They didn't like the idea. They wanted them out. So the uh, Toronto Police Services Board took it upon themselves. They spent $30,000. They did a survey. What do the students feel? How do the students feel? How do the teachers feel? How do the parents feel about having police inside the public schools? Well, the majority said they felt safer. School suspensions were down. Fighting practically non-existent inside the schools. Well, the mayor, naturally, and others caved to BLM. And uh, activists like Desmond Cole, they got the police out of there. What has happened since? We've seen what's happened this fall. School shootings, stabbings. What's it like where your children go to school? What are you hearing? We're hearing that there are teachers walking off the job at certain schools, high schools in Toronto because they don't feel safe. We used to hear about these sorts of things happening in the inner schools in the United States in places like Chicago, New York. Now it's happening here. Time to get the cops back in the schools. Agree, disagree. 289-275-9600. I, uh, I hesitate to mention this, but I have to. As a Greek Orthodox, very disappointed. This was a... Um, uh, the mighty Aphrodite was telling me this now. It has to do with the Greek Orthodox Church in, uh, I guess, in Athens. And the um, the Greeks there are honoring, you know, their, their person of the year. And who do you think it is? Who is their person of the year? Pfizer Chief Executive Officer Albert Bourla. That's their man of the year. I'm embarrassed. I'm embar- I'm not Greek, but I am Greek Orthodox. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Pfizer Chief Executive Officer Albert Burla, whose company has spread misinformation. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.
has oversold their product, underdelivered, caused, well, we don't know, and we may not know for decades, the harm that was caused by this vaccine. Pfizer Chief Executive Officer Albert Bourlaw once again has declined to testify before the European Parliament's Special COVID Committee. That's twice now. Since the October COVID hearing, we have no further information to share with the committee, so respectfully decline the invitation to again revisit these issues, states the letter from Borla, dated December the 2nd. Borla previously pulled out of an appointment to testify before the committee in October, at which he was expected to face tough questions on how secretive vaccine deals were struck. That decision followed an audit report into the EU's vaccine procurement strategy that raised new questions about contact between the pharma CEO and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen that preceded a multi-billion dollar euro vaccine contract. On October 14th, the European Public Prosecutor's Office confirmed it had an ongoing investigation into the EU's COVID vaccine purchases, but has not yet specified who is being investigated or which of the EU's vaccine contracts are under scrutiny. At the October 10 COVID hearing, the company's president of international developed markets, Janine Small, faced repeated questions from the committee on Borla's absence, one of which was even taped to some MEP's laptops. She also took questions on vaccine contract negotiations and the jabs themselves, including one from Dutch ME uh, Member of Parliament, Robert Roos, about whether the vaccine was tested for its ability to prevent transmission before entering the market. We've talked about that on this program a lot. That question and Small's answer landed Roos an appearance on Tucker Carlson's Fox News talk show. But in the end, it seems Small was just no substitute for Borla. So on October 28th, the COVID committee extended a second invitation to the CEO. Anyway, he has declined for the second time. Do they not have subpoena power? They do in Washington. I guess, well, he is a member of the uh, European Union. He's a citizen. He's Greek. He should be compelled to testify. This is Greece's man of the year. Disgraceful. He should be in prison. All right. We're going to keep uh, open lines going. Now is uh, your window is narrowing, folks. We've got one more one more shot at open lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right after these. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. 289-275-9600 to get on board. And uh, I'm not sure we don't have a name here, but let's let's see who's behind door number one. Hello, caller. You're on Saga 960. Hi, Richard. Uh, I know this topic was from yesterday, but the NHL going woke. Um, I just wanted to say I've been coaching minor hockey for, for a couple of years now. And for me to become a coach, it's almost like they're – they're grooming the coaches with this gender identity. Like you got to take a three hour course for you to be able to coach your kid in, in hockey. And it, I just wanted to say like, they've been starting, like it must be hockey Canada. That's been pushing this, this garbage, well, right. For all you these years, you, you have to take a three hour course to become a coach. In other words, you have to affirm that there are countless genders that a, yeah. you have to affirm that if you don't agree with it, you're yeah, not you to do. Coach. Yeah, man, I, I, I 
I kind of swallow my pride on that, man. But I mean, people know how I feel about it. I'm not like totally outspoken about it, but I just talk about how I feel it's, it's, it's not right because it's going against my beliefs. What, what age do you uh, coach? Uh, U13. Under 13. So. Yeah, U, uh, U, U13. Under 13, yeah. Um, and are there, are there any, uh, and you're teaching, you're, you're coaching boys, right? Young boys. Yeah, I am. It, it, it's, it's, uh, I've, I've, I've coached girls also, but, um, co-ed. Right. You know, but, uh. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, that, man, I just. Here's the thing that gets me. Yes, the NHL comes out and, you know, they have no scientific basis for saying this because there is none. But they're saying that, you know, um, a transgendered uh, woman is a, is a real woman, which is not true. Uh, they're saying a transgendered man is a uh, is a real man. In other words, a woman who self-identifies as a man is real. That's not true. That's fine. They can believe whatever they want. But they also come out in support of that that. A, uh, a man who believes he is a woman should be allowed to play on uh, against women. And, you know, this is we've seen this happen in in boxing matches and women have been hurt uh, and it's going to happen in hockey. If these crazies uh, in the NHL who are pushing this nonsensical dribble get their way because they have influence, people will be hurt. Uh, uh, I find they get they get away with it more in, in, um, in uh, team sports rather than one-on-one sports. I think that's why you don't see it so much in the tennis and the golf. But like, I think team Canada even had a, a biological man on their world cup or uh, Olympic squad. A man but who I mean, I don't hear about identifies it. as a woman. I think we may have talked with, uh, about that with uh, coach blade on, uh, on our Thursday. Yeah. segment. But yeah, I just wanted permeated. to throw it out there. I mean, I they're getting, that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for the um, for the sad news, for the sad news. So, again, if um, you're not fully indoctrinated and you don't go along with their program, you don't coach. You don't coach. Uh, Let's see. Who do we have here? I'm not sure. I'm not getting any names here. When you call in people, please. It's it's Thomas from La Jolla. Hey, Thomas from La Jolla, La Jolla, California. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, it's Bill from Pickering. That's a joke. It's like you're a coast listener, obviously. There you go. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, um, when you talk to Tom Korsky, uh, and talk about uh, the founder of Blacklocks, I was on their page. Thomas Highland Blacklock, the pioneer publisher, right? And yes, he was like maybe one of the originators of uh, of the uh, Parliament Gallery. Right? Yes, he was. You know, yes. like it's just some... Sorry? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying you're, you're correct. That is true. No, but I mean, I would just like, uh, like Tom to uh, get into that because that's an... And then for what happened to him, which is it's historic. Like, it's just... Like, what is that? Well, it's very telling, isn't it's it? Freedom it's very of- telling. They, they, are, they are so ashamed of themselves and embarrassed that they can't stand the sight of him because he's a constant reminder that he is a real credible journalist and they are not. They are bought and paid for toadies who carry water for the federal government. That's all they do. That's that's who they are. And so just to look at him is a constant reminder uh, of that. 
All right. Appreciate the call, Bill. Thank you. It's not Tom from La Jolla. He's a coast listener. It's kind of an inside joke. That's all right. Uh, let's see. Do I have someone else here? Who's uh, who's on this line? Not sure. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Who's this? Hi, it's Paul. Hey, Paul. How are you? Very well, sir. I had to pull over. I listened to your show, and I wanted to say God bless you and the station. I wish there was more of them like you. Well, um, I, me I, too. But I used to work. Nice. <laughs> I used to work for a school board. I'm not going to mention where I was. Uh, I'm a contractor, and a few years ago, we had to send two people over there constantly because kids would do things on purpose. So if one person was working, the other one would have to watch their back. So uh, the kids would not get disciplined for anything, uh, you know. Were there police so the job in the schools? Normally... Were there police in the schools? Sorry? Were there police in no, no. No. Would you like to see police in, in the no. schools? Of course. Of course. But the pro- the problem, Richard, is it's the people that vote these people in. See, the mayor of Toronto should have never been voted in. No, the people, I, well, the parents. I agree, with you. I agree with you. People have to. Um, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for the call. Um, yeah, you're quite we, welcome. We um, we get what we uh, deserve, I guess. Right. John Tory, North America's most ridiculous mayor, got a huge mandate, a huge mandate. Uh, but in this case, I think maybe also the police services board caving. Well, I guess it would have to come from the mayor, ultimately. It's too bad. But we should put police back in schools. Parents want them, teachers want them, students want them. They feel safer, as well they should. So they chase them out, and this is what we get. Are we surprised? No, we're not. All right, when we come back... Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, will be here to once again remind us about the one that got away. A huge liquid natural gas deal with Germany that would have filled our coffers to the brim. We would have had, never mind proper drinking water on uh, reservations. We could have hot and cold running champagne coming out of every faucet in the land. But no, Trudeau didn't see the business argument for buying or selling our natural gas to the Germans. So Germany went to Qatar. Yeah, that's real ethical. Qatar, what a horrible place. Dan McTagg is next. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. So uh, Germany is in deep trouble. They um, they can't buy their natural gas, their liquid natural gas from Russia because of the sanctions after Russia invaded Ukraine. They listen to um, deeply troubled, unstable teenagers like Greta Thunberg and they hobbled their entire energy industry. And so, a few months ago, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz came to Canada with cap in hand, desperately looking to buy our Liquid natural gas. It would have been a huge deal, a huge boon to our economy. Uh, But our crime minister couldn't uh, understand. Why? Why would anyone want our natural gas? It doesn't make sense. I don't understand the business sense. Besides, I'm busy 
trying to destroy your energy industry. You're trying to build it up? No, we can't have that. So Germany has just announced that they've gone elsewhere. And they are buying their some of their liquid natural gas from Qatar. It's a 15-year deal. That could have been us. That could have been us. Qatar? What a horrible place. That's not ethical liquid natural gas. Dan McTagg is president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. AffordableEnergy.ca, the website. Hey, Dan, welcome back. How are you? Good to be here, Richard. Always a struggle trying to keep those prices affordable. Not doing very well, am I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, you know, the the dam is bursting. You've only got 10 fingers, right? You've only got 10 fingers. I try my best. So uh, let's deal with with Cutter. I mean, it it doesn't sound as if it was... uh, would have been as significant and as big a deal as ours um, as, because Germany, they seem to be now they're, they're smartening up right now. They're buying coal from uh, in, in Africa and they're buying from different places, but uh, 15 years only worth what several billion dollars a year or something. Not nothing like the deal we could have had. Right. Well, the deal we would have had would have guaranteed us 30 years of, uh, constant production and a ready market that, uh, you know, it's not like Germany is going to go away anytime soon. Um, it's manufacturing prowess, uh, its ability to uh, stabilize uh, uh, you know, and try to settle factor matters uh, as a leader of uh, the European Union. All of these things would have certainly give Canada uh, the prestige, I think, that it deserves uh, with the third largest provable reserves of the uh, above mentioned, not just oil, but of course, natural gas. And we have plenty of it on the East Coast and West Coast would have been opportunities to uh, provide uh, the world with what it desperately needs. And we wouldn't be using, you know, as Russia does, melting the tundra in order to be able to extract gas to, you know, to hold a sort of Damocletius sword over the heads of uh, of Europeans and Ukraine in particular. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it is sad to see that we have a prime minister who couldn't see a business case when the rest of the world does is desperate for it. But I have actually personal knowledge of what uh, Chairman Schultz had been asked for, uh, had been asking for. I mean, I had an, an occasion to to bump into people around him and uh, at a particular event. I won't get into the specifics of it all. And he came there. He didn't come for hydrogen. He came, in fact, for natural gas. So make no mistake. Whatever the legacy media wants to make of this and how quickly we want to forget, you're right. A country like Cotter is now going to be able to do what Canada should have been able to do. And it makes more sense. We're a lot closer. Proximity makes uh, makes sense here. But you know, we have consistently navel-gazed and found ways to destroy, impede, hogtie our natural resources, much of it funded by foreign entities, by the way. When I look at organizations around there pushing the environmental uh, lawfare and other you know, programs, including, uh, dare I say, even obstruction, uh, terrorist-like obstruction of things like the Coastal Gas Link, the only one of 17 projects that's actually going through and it's still not anywhere near completion. You have to kind of wonder, at what point do Canadians tolerate uh, the inability for us to send what the world desperately needs and for which Canada would have this extraordinary opportunity to send uh, you know, energy that is of the highest so-called ESG standards in the world. And, uh, we're not tuning our own horn. We don't do a very good job of that as Canadians. You know, we're kind of, oh, shucks, oh, gosh. But we do beat anybody on that front, including Cotter. And I don't even have to get into the human rights side of things to to make that point. Yeah, it's a so miserable Canadians place. Have, yeah. It's a miserable uh, place. Um, Canadians should know better. 
just remind us again what what gets left on the table. Like, did you say if I did I remember correctly? It's was it a third of a trillion dollars a year yeah. we'd be getting Walk in away from gas revenue? Yeah, we would be looking at about three hundred and sixty billion dollars in natural gas revenue over the next uh, fifteen to eighteen years. It's a, it's an extraordinary number that creates jobs, that creates opportunities that uh, would give point and purpose to not just our, you know, our building of pipelines and LNG projects. It would have given our First Nations opportunities of partnerships, of equal partnerships where they wouldn't have to choose, you know, uh, uh, you know, a rather bleak future as opposed to, you know, underlying stewardship of these uh, of these pipelines for which the ownership would be paramount to Indigenous groups. Look, exactly. I, I think it's really a missed opportunity, but it continues to be the extent of brainwashing by Canadians and their, demogra- their, their demagogic leaders that I think is going to hurt Canadians. And, you know, folks, if you can't see the connection between not selling enough natural gas and oil to the rest of the world and inflation, that's uh, dogging your pocketbook when it comes to purchasing anything, including food, then you're really, 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 especially here in Toronto, you need to clue in. And uh, here's the other thing Canadians need to clue in, and that is the rest of the world is transitioning back to fossil fuels. Back. They're buying coal again, like never before. They're buying li- liquid natural gas. They're opening their, well, this isn't fossil fuel, but they're reopening nuclear plants. And uh, this is the future, folks. It's fossil fuels, not wind and sun. Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, affordableenergy.ca. Dan, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. Take care, Richard. Have a great evening. You too. All right. Hour two coming up. Let's see. Tom Korski will be here. He was uh, earlier today removed from the parliamentary press gallery uh, at the behest. Well, the police uh, showed up at the behest of his so-called colleagues in the lamestream media uh, who were basically embarrassed and shamed because Tom Korski is a real journalist and they are not. And uh, we'll get the rest of the story when he joins us in Hour 2. Sheila Gunn-Reed with uh, more on the death cult, the uh, culture of death here in Canada. We're, f- we're finding out more about the, um, the caseworkers at Veterans Affairs and how many of them were counseling veterans who called the helpline looking for help. How many of these counselors were telling the soldiers to consider killing themselves or medical assistance and dying, basically. And uh, the great Mark Petroni will be here, my colleague here at Saga 960. He's got a new parody song. We'll play that for you. And, uh, oh, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about a thing or two. That's the Richard Serrett Show, Hour 2, getting underway in just moments right here on Saga 960. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting.
Welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show, therichardserrettshow.com. That's the website, therichardserrettshow.com. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way. And before I tell you what's coming up in Hour 2, just a reminder that the Raptors 905 will uh, take on the Greensboro Swarm from Scotiabank Arena tonight at 8 p.m. And, of course, uh, Ben Shulman and Dwayne Notis will be... uh, Calling all the action tonight at 8 p.m. only on Saga 960 AM. Again, that's the Raptors 905 against the Greensboro Swarm from Scotiabank Arena. 8 p.m. Ben Shulman, Dwayne Notice. Catch it all right here, Saga 960. Uh, Saga 960's very own Mark Petroni will be here. The uh, last order of business. It's like Jimi Hendrix, closing Woodstock, right? Um, and he's a musician in his own right, this Mark Petroni character. Have you heard any of his parody songs? Well, uh, we're going to play one on the... Uh, he, he sent it to me from his... Uh... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Self-exile in Florida. I was out working on the backyard hockey rink, and uh, I get a, a text from Mark Petroni with this little audio file containing this parody song, and it's um, I'm playing it. It's like, hey, this is the Beastie Boys from the late '80s, from my misspent youth. You got to fight for your right to party, but it was done in Mark's own unique style and uh, a parody. You know, basically riffing on Trudeau's uh gaff yet another one when he went to uh, london to uh, mourn the passing of queen elizabeth but he decided to saddle up to a piano bar and sing bohemian rhapsody instead so that'll be fun we'll look forward to that lighten the mood a little bit i'm kind of in a cantankerous mood today too much going on and none of it good uh sheila gunn reed from rebel news alberta bureau chief will be here more more coming out from uh, veterans affairs and we've been talking about the uh, the death cult in this country that is permeating all of our institutions, including Veterans Affairs. First, we heard about one caseworker who was telling veterans who desperately needed help, who called the lifeline, the helpline, and this caseworker said, eh, did you ever think about medical-assisted suicide? Well, now it turns out it wasn't just one. It was... Uh, four separate Veterans Affairs caseworkers and up to nine veterans who were coached to take their own lives with the help of the government. Sheila Gunn-Reed will be here. Well, here's the other story that has me uh, incensed. Our good friend Tom Korski, managing editor at Black Locks Reporter, he, he was on the program a couple of weeks ago and he, he kind of warned us that um, 
his so-called colleagues, the uh, the bought and paid for lamestream media colleagues at the uh, National Press Gallery, were not none too happy with him, and they, they had lodged a bunch of baseless complaints against him. Well, on Friday, they went and did it. They went and did it. The uh, Parliamentary Press Gallery executive, accompanied by armed police, this happened on Friday, evicted Blacklocks from the Press Gallery. Never happened before in the history of the National Press Gallery. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter, joins us now. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. So uh, this went down on Friday. Can you kind of set the scene for us, what, what you were there and what happened? Oh, they showed up. Executives of the press gallery showed up with a constable and a gun on his hip, and there was an eviction notice, and I was locked out of my office. And that is severe punishment, uh, Richard, because of, uh, as you and I have discussed, some worked-up complaints, but really this is about power and ethics, and it's about control. They got on our nerves, and we get on their nerves. We don't take subsidies, and they take millions. And we've been going at it, hammer and tong, over that for the last year and a half. And I guess they finally got fed up. So I got busted. It was a big takedown. It's like they were (laughs) taking the Unabomber. They had to show up with a cop with a gun. Can you believe that? An eviction notice. I was cited for impolite language listening to committee, uh, House of Commons committees on my computer, and other notorious crimes. And it is off to court, my friend, and we will fight and fight and fight. Uh, w- w- the police, when they when he showed up, I mean, they didn't take you out in cuffs or anything, did they? They just basically told you to leave and or pack your things and get out? Or how did that happen? Presumably the constable was there in case it, there was rough stuff. <laughs> it was... It was frankly odd, but it was supposed to be intimidating, and it was merely instead infuriating and frankly pathetic. But that's the press gallery today. Richard, uh, I'm not Nostradamus. This is really end times for the press gallery. Hmm. Their membership is dwindling. They are losing their jobs. They are ever relied on taxpayers' aid in the form of corporate welfare. And their reaction was to go after the the few unsubsidized independents that exist in the press gallery were the only news agency eligible for federal aid that neither solicits nor accepts it. And you had asked, your Blacklocks had asked the other members on the, at the National Press Gallery uh, to, to post on their website to warn or to be in the interest of transparency, to let viewers or readers know that they are receiving a subsidy, which I think is entirely fair. I think they should do that. Uh, a caveat, if you will. Full disclosure. They didn't like that. They were embarrassed by it. They were ashamed, I think, just by your very presence because you were a constant reminder that you're a real journalist. You work for a real news organization. They do not. And uh, they just couldn't have you there anymore. They couldn't stomach it, I guess. Well, you know, Richard, you know what precipitated that? They, this is uh, all of a sudden the uh, subsidized media, Parliament uh, brought in the subsidy program, half a billion dollars in 2019. All of a sudden in 2020, 2021, the press discovered ethics and they came up with an ethics code. Can you believe it? The press gallery was going to have an ethics code. 
And one of the provisions of the code stated that you would be subject to an examination on your finances. And we said, are you kidding me? Let's look at your finances. Mm. I said, okay. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. This will just be for new members, not not existing members, like the CBC, like the Toronto Star. I could go down the list. And so we went to an annual general meeting. You said, you you boys are hot on ethics. Speaking of ethics, exactly what you just said. That was the motion. Everyone disclose every penny in federal aid they request, successful or not. Put it on the website. Let the people see. Well, ever since then, it, and then it culminated with a cop and a gun. Wow. So they complain. They, they trump these complaints. Oh, he leaves the door open and allows fresh air to come in. Oh, he. There was he, the door open. He streams, <laughs> he streams committee hearings on his computer. What? So you can do your job? And follow the committee I, hearings. I didn't say they were good at it, Richard. Uh, and but but only three. If I'm reading this and understanding correctly, Tom, only three members of the press gallery board actually filed these complaints. Another fourteen did not. Is that correct? Do I have that right? That is absolutely correct. That is in the National Press Building. There were three members. Uh, every single one of them um, yeah, benefits from subsidies. Fourteen other news agencies. You name it. They cover the waterfront. Uh, did not sign or co-sign any complaint. And that's why this is going to litigation, Richard. We have to find out who's behind this. We want to see documents and emails. We're going to find out what happened. And we're going to put that on the Internet for everyone to see. Can't wait. Can't wait. Tom Korski, managing editor of Blacklock's Reporter, is with us. And uh, he and Blacklock's have been evicted under, uh, well, an armed policeman showed up in case things got nasty. <laughs> Tom Korski, imagine Tom getting nasty. I can't uh, and I don't like fighting. <laughs> that's why I wear glasses for fighting. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, discuss further. Stay with us. The Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Uh, as you say, uh, unprecedented that um, a, a member of the press gallery has been evicted. Um, I mean, how much time do they give you to pack your your, your things? Well, in, in that case, it was um, I, you can't move the entire office, and so I was able to finish my work that day. But Richard, this is about, we always said, uh, going back to the introduction of those uh, media subsidies, with all due respect to the Minister of Heritage, Minister Rodriguez, this is not about democracy. It's not about jobs. It's not about enhancing local coverage. It's about control. Mm -hmm. They welcomed the government into the newsrooms of this country to control the newsrooms. And they put a lot of carrots on the table, $595 million worth of carrots. But that's all pointless unless there's some stick. And this is the kind of stick they mean. Uh, This is the same issue you and I have discussed many times when it comes to Internet controls. It's about control. And control only works if there is a stick for those who decline the carrots. That's the point. There you go. And, I mean, who, in the meantime, before you take this to court and and hopefully, you know, get your, your spot back in the National Press Gallery... 
Who's going to redo all this terrific reporting on all of the committee hearings, all of these stories that you break at Blacklock's Reporter? We're not going to get those from the clowns in the in the press gallery. So, Absolutely not. But we're not going out of business. I haven't missed a deadline in 41 years, and we're not going to start now. We will do what we have to do, and uh, we're going to keep that up. But we're, we are going to get some answers here, uh, Richard. We're going to find out what happened. This is extraordinary. I mean, this just doesn't happen. And it would be extraordinary even under ordinary circumstances. You lay in $595 million of corporate welfare and the corrupting influence that free money has. And then it starts to get really interesting. So uh, what's the next course of action? You're going to take this to court, but when, when do we expect that to happen? As fast as we possibly can. Work up the cause of action, damages, off to Ontario Superior Court. And as mentioned, the the real payoff is examination for discovery. This is a legal procedure in which you are able to get the opposing party under oath and threat of perjury to question them, but more importantly, seek undertakings and compel disclosure of documents that they don't want to see, like, for instance, emails. By the way, Richard, Press Gallery does not have any armed constables on its payroll. You cannot contact the police and say, you know, we're, we're evicting someone from a building. We'd like you to come by, but make sure he's got a gun. That was a House of Commons that did that. That was a House of Commons assigned cop with a House of Commons employee. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Let's find out more. Yes, please. Yes, please. Just give us a quick, this is the, the irony here is that the, your namesake at Blacklocks, Thomas Highland Blacklock was, he was president of the press gallery a hundred years ago, <laughs> incidentally. A long time ago. Yeah, I mean, isn't it interesting? Right. Just just give us a, a quick history lesson about, you know, I guess the lineage uh, of, of Blacklock's reporter. Uh, Tom Blacklock was uh, a uh, sod-busting uh, publisher. He was a pioneer publisher. He was from Ontario, bur- uh, buried in Collingwood, first mayor of Weyburn, Saskatchewan. He was publisher of the local daily there. Came back, was a First World War correspondent, was a reporter born, lived, and died as a reporter, never did anything else. And when he died, there was a handsome funeral out at Collingwood. And uh, there were members of all parties went to that funeral because he was a very unassuming guy. And he's exactly the persona we like. He, it was just about reporting. And he had one famous catchphrase that he invented. <laughs> it's now out of fashion. But when confronted by Baloney, used to say, quote, unquote, that ain't the way I heard it. And that was Tom Blacklock. <laughs> well, uh, Tom Blacklock's legacy alive and well with Blacklock's reporter and uh, Tom Korsky, managing editor. Tom, uh, can't wait to get this till this gets to court and uh, and to hear more. Thank you. Uh, and let me also encourage all of my listeners, go to blacklocks.ca. They don't get government subsidies. They refuse them. Uh, but you can subscribe there and get all the uh, the great stories that the other guys aren't reporting on. Blacklocks.ca. Tom, thank you so much. Be well. Thank you kindly, Richard. That's very gracious. Thank you. All right. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News next with the uh, culture of death that has permeated veterans affairs. That story's next. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right. The culture of death 
has uh, permeated veterans affairs. Can you think of, well, there are a few, I suppose you could argue more vulnerable people, but imagine a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces who served in Afghanistan, suffering from PTSD, other injuries, maybe chronic pain, calls the Veterans Affairs Helpline, looking desperately looking for help, and then is unlucky enough to be on the other line, or to be on the line with a, um, a caseworker who again is indoctrinated, inculcated with this culture of death, and this caseworker suggests this veteran consider doctor-assisted suicide. Well, one was bad enough. I suspected it wasn't limited to one. Now it turns out at least four caseworkers, four separate Veterans Affairs caseworkers, manning the uh, the helpline, counseling up to nine different veterans, counseling them to consider taking their own lives, or I should say uh, doctor-assisted suicide. Absolutely appalling. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief and host of The Gun Show Wednesdays at 9 is with us. Hey, Sheila, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, despite the uh, terrible subject matter we're about to talk about. Uh, I, you know, just when you think things can't get any worse and then you hear something like this. Um, so I spoke with uh, Linda Slobodian at the Western Standard um, last week, the week before, when, when I first learned or we first learned about the, 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 uh, the, the first caseworker that was counseling suicide to a veteran. And then I saw your tweet today and my heart just sank. How did we find out that there are at least four caseworkers and at least nine sold veterans that have been counseled to uh, take uh, to consider suicide? They continue to come forward and largely. And I, I want to give full credit to my friends in the veterans and veterans advocacy community. Mark Meinke in particular and Mike Mayer, both Canadian uh, Armed Forces veterans. Mark has a podcast. Um, it's the trauma recovery podcast. And he's a veteran himself who has experienced acute PTSD episodes where he, you know, has told me, and it's, you know, it's no secret. He told me during an interview that he has in very severe instances of having an acute PTSD episode where he has attempted to take his own life and it passes so quickly, but veterans continue to come forward to him. Um, he broke the the first story of the veteran maybe six weeks ago, and then now they continue to come forward. My concern is that we know there are at least nine. We know there are four, and I'll describe them as angels of death working within the Veterans Affairs uh, Ministry. But these are the ones we know that survived, that did not take their own lives. How many have been lost to this obscene anti-life culture of death that's permeating the Veterans Affairs Ministry. We will never know because of how these deaths are encouraged to be recorded. Many physicians, organizations are advising their doctors to record these deaths as caused by the thing for which they sought the medical assistance in dying for and not the medical assistance in dying itself. So we may never know the full scope of what's been happening here. But I go back to Mark because Mark said it passed as quickly as it came. But what if 
during that episode, he was on the phone with one of these ghouls at Veterans Affairs who make damn good money to help veterans, but instead they become increasingly annoyed with having to do what they're paid to do by Canadian taxpayers and help our veterans and honor the sacred covenant we have with them. Instead, they're advising them to take their own lives. Well, there is uh, an RCMP investigation. I know uh, um, tied to that first case. Uh, do we know anything about the scope of this RCMP investigation? Are they going to be looking into these these other caseworkers? And I guess the other question is, you know, where there's one, there's four, there's 10, there's 20. Who knows? Maybe all of them are doing this. We don't know at this point. No, we don't. Um, and, and that's the thing. RCMP are investigating. It is a crime to counsel someone to commit suicide in this country. So the law is a little bit complicated, but... If someone approaches you and says, I would like assisted suicide, then that engages a separate set of protocols. I don't like them, but that's the law. You cannot counsel someone to commit suicide in this country. That's a crime, but that is allegedly what's been happening at Veterans Affairs. And again, I say um, my concern is we'll never know the full scope of this. We couldn't possibly, but we do know that. At least one veteran was inv- advised in writing. So Christine Gauthier, she's a Paralympian. She was also featured by the Canadian government. This is how appalling this government is. She was featured in their advertisements for the Paralympic Games and also the Invictus Games. She's a former veteran. She was injured in the line of duty. She needs a wheelchair ramp in her home. Instead of giving her the damn wheelchair ramp, they offered her assistance in dying Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And they did it in writing. Now, in 2021, she says that she advised Veterans Affairs of what they had suggested to her, this low-level bureaucrat. And she also says that she wrote a letter to the Prime Minister's office in 2021. Mm. So these people were aware in 2021 that this was unfolding in Veterans Affairs. But I guess... The veterans were asking for more than the government was willing to give. Oh, they're just just when again, when you think you hit bottom, there is no bottom for this liberal government. None. They have zero moral compass at this point. Uh, we'll take a quick time out. Sheila Gunn Reed stays with us. Alberta Bureau Chief for Rebel News and host of The Gun Show. Seen Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, rebelnews.com. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. A culture of death has uh, permeated just about every 
institution, I fear, in this country. Medical assistance in dying, which was a mistake to legalize this back in 2016. Oh, we'll put in necessary safeguards, they said. Oh, no, this is the slippery slope, we warned. Oh, don't worry about it. And here we are, and in three months it's going to get worse, because in three months they're doing away with those safeguards. In other words, even if you don't have a reasonable, foreseeable death in your future, maybe you're just, not just, maybe you're mentally ill, maybe you're a minor child, maybe... You don't like the prospect of uh, living on the street because you can't get into affordable housing because the, the waiting list is too long. All will be uh, eligible for medical assistance in dying. And of course, it's um, happening right now at Veterans Affairs where caseworkers there, at least four, are counseling our veterans suffering from PTSD and chronic pain and looking desperately for help. And they're being counseled to consider suicide. Sheila Gunn-Reed is with us, Rebel News Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9. Uh, where's the Honorable Lawrence, Honorable, huh, Lawrence mm-hmm. McCauley, the Veterans Affairs Minister and all of this? He should resign immediately. Yes. Yes, he should, because his ministry knew about this as early as 2021. But the fish rots from the head down, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so the ethics problems with the Liberal Party and the Liberal government um, you know, when you have Justin Trudeau getting away with all the things that he does, including the single uh, largest civil liberties infraction in our lifetime, I think, outside of the War Measures Act, although one would argue that that was probably justifiable. The When Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act, the things that these people are able to get away with is appalling. And it's a neat little scam they have going on down there at the Veterans Affairs. You see, they get to be uh, the cause of everybody's suffering, and then they get to offer the solution to the suffering to get you out of their faces. So our veterans, we pay them a, pit, a pittance to um, do um, brave and sometimes difficult and often horrific things. They get injured, either psychologically or physically. So they're enduring unimaginable suffering sometimes then we degrade them by subjecting them to such things as proving once a year that their blown off legs didn't grow back or that their hearing that they got from a percussion injury didn't just magically fix itself so we subject them to this constant degradation and then when they ask for help we say you know what all this suffering that we caused you let me alleviate you of it by getting you out of my face and offering them assisted suicide. And the worst part is we don't even know where these angels of death are right now. Are they even still answering the phones down at Veterans Affairs? No one will say if they've been sent home with pay. I mean, this is the federal government after all. Have they been dismissed pending investigation? We don't know. We don't know if they're still counseling veterans to do these things. You know, the, the, the frustrating thing is you can only have like, you know, one scandal of the century, except with this government every week. It's another scandal of epic proportions that in any, any other country, any other era would have brought that that country, that that government down immediately. I mean, this should be uh, major, major headline news every night. And uh, I mean, I don't see a lot of people talking about this. This is this is such a a 
a huge scandal. I mean, is anyone bringing this up in the House of Commons the last couple of days? Is anyone demanding Lawrence McCauley's resignation? Uh, today, uh, veterans were testifying before committee. Uh, Blake Richards, an Alberta MP from Airdrie, he's been uh, just firing on all cylinders trying to hold the government to account. But it is very difficult to get the message out to Canadians when you have a bought and paid for mainstream media that runs cover on Justin Trudeau. This should be the scandal of Justin Trudeau's career, because I think from all sides of the aisle, like I said earlier, we have a sacred covenant with our veterans and our veterans right now will tell you the government is trying to kill them when they ask the government for help. And yet this is not major headlines in Canada. Now, our American friends are quite interested in it, looking upon our country with revulsion and horror. But it is barely making a headline in the mainstream media. The thing is, when the state sanctions suicide, it's it's an open invitation for everyone who's ever just thought about it. And, and many of those people, you know, they're not going to wait to get go through the maid's approval or get on the waiting list. They're just going to say, well, the state says it's OK. I'm going to do it. That's the other aspect of this horror show. Um, and then the other thing, Sheila, is that we have doctors that are willing to sign off on this. That's also very disturbing. It doesn't even have to be doctors, Richard. It's uh. medical professionals and they remove the 10 day wait period. So it used to be that you had to ask in writing of your doctor, and then you had a 10-day cooling off period. Well, that's gone. So these veterans who are experiencing an acute PTSD episode can ask for verbally and receive made while they're experiencing the acute PTSD episode. And it doesn't have to be from their doctor. It can be from a nurse or a pharmacist who has just seen them for the first time. Dear Lord, dear Lord. Yeah, this government has to go immediately. It's evil. It is evil. It's satanic. It's mm-hmm. it's satanic. I will use that term. Sheila Gunn-Reed, great work as always. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Rebelnews.com. Check out The Gun Show Wednesdays at 9. All right. When we come back, let's lighten things up a little bit, shall we? Our very own Mark Petroni is here with uh, a little bit of this coming your way. We'll get to that when we come back. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. Here's a little uh, another side of uh, Mark Petroni I want to share with you. Have a listen. Check it. Thank you. 
as long as I ain't paying, then what do I care? Cause there's nothing I like more than to screw the taxpayer. You gotta fight for your right. One more verse. Check into my room and I'm feeling kind of low. They said he's a classy, but my name is Trudeau. It's a Saturday night, but I gotta keep it clean. I saw a guy with a piano and I think he plays Queen. There you go. Mark Petroni, Saga 960 superstar, heard weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. How are you doing? I'm doing just great, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Really uh, had a great time putting that song together and uh, just got inspired over the weekend. And I thought, hey, why not put together put some that, lyrics? Wow, and, you put uh, that together in a weekend? Yeah, I put it together uh, in about, it took me a couple of days to do that. You know, it takes time to write the lyrics and to, uh, and then of course to to find the backup tracks. You can always find background tracks like in karaoke, for instance, right. on YouTube or and something like that. They're pretty good. And then you take the music and then you just uh, layer it with your own vocals. Nicely done, nicely done. Of course, that's the Beastie Boys. Uh, that was what late late eighties. We're dating ourselves here, but uh, I think the late late eighties. You got to fight for your right to party, and uh, you know, I, I, the kids still love this song, so it, it'll resonate with them. And of course, this is about uh, Trudeau and his uh, his uh, gaffe back in uh, when was that September when he went to London. He was supposed to be mourning our the death of our sovereign Queen Elizabeth II, and he decided to saddle up to a piano bar and uh, and sing to some Bohemian Rhapsody and <laughs> and spend what did he spend on a hotel there was it seven thousand a night something like that yeah that was the opening line or the opening verse rather I think it's going to cost about seven k a night there you go. <laughs> Uh, you know, but as long as I'm not paying, what do I care? Because there's it. nothing I like more than to screw the taxpayer. And uh, I, I, I'm guessing you're, you've played this on your show. Or uh, how else can people listen to it? Is it? I mean, can you put this on Spotify, something like this, or is this simply you got to listen? Uh, to I could. I, I think what I'm going to do, uh, since it's already run, I'll probably uh, just post it on my uh, like it's on my Substack right now, but it's it's actually behind a paywall, but. I mean, I'll make it available to everybody, I think, today, because there's, there's been some interest and people are getting a kick out of it. And, of course, they can always listen to it on my show, on my podcast. Uh, today's podcast, I ran it in the first segment. So uh, if, if anybody wants to hear the whole thing, they can just go on that on uh, saga960am.ca and uh, come down to shows and, and find my show and uh, you can listen to it. Excellent. I mean, with this grifter in office, I mean, you, this could be a, like a full-time gig for you. Like every day, <laughs> there's enough fodder there for you to write another song, another parody, right? Uh, I've done a number of parodies. Take a Walk on the Wild Side, um, Nice Day for White Privilege. Uh, <laughs> those are a few of my non-hits. Uh, one for O'Toole, there was, the, there was the Tool on the Hill. 
Oh, yes, that I did hear fun. that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I've had a lot of fun with these. A lot of fun. And, uh, you know, people have enjoyed them. And, you know, and when I don't do one for a while, they, I usually get, I will get occasional inquiries from people saying, hey, you know, how come you haven't done a tune lately? And the only reason is just time. And, you know, I have to get inspired. Mark Petrone, host of the Mark Petrone Show, heard weekday afternoons, 1 to 3 p.m. here on Saga 960. Um, I don't know if this is a, if there's a parody song in here, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking I was recently uh, speaking to Harrison Faulkner from True North, and he's uh, the host of the Ratioed podcast that he does over there about uh, the NHL and how they've gone woke. Uh, and you, you saw that tweet, I'm sure they came out and basically said that, uh, affirmed that a transgendered woman is a real woman and a transgendered man is a real man. And that, uh, you know, basically biological men who believe they're women should be playing in women's sports and all of this, you know, you add this from the NHL to all the rest of the nonsense. Like I can barely sit through a game. I can, I can barely get through the first half hour now watching hockey because it's just a lecture about white white privilege and uh, exclu- um, inclusivity and equity and diversity and yada yada yada. I'm just I'm, I've had enough. Yeah, I mean Gary Batman gave an interview not long ago in which uh, he talked about the need for uh, balancing the scales and uh, you know wanting the you know, the people who play hockey to look more like society in general. But, you know, you look at every sport and certain people gravitate to those sports and they're particularly good. You know, I mean, uh, basketball, overwhelmingly black. I don't think anybody has any issues with that. These are happen to happen to be the best players in the world. And, uh, you know, the NHL at the moment happens to be overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly white. Again, you get the best players in the world to play. And that's what it should be about. And by the way, if a trans athlete is good enough to play pro, uh, can, you know, play net or, or center, or, uh, you know, is a great right winger (laughs) or left winger for that matter. Hell, why not? I mean, I don't care. You know, it, it should be a meritocracy. As far as I'm concerned, your sexuality doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, woman, man, uh, whatever you want to call yourself, if you can play the game and you're really good, you know, you, you deserve every shot to play. That's my take on it for what it's worth there, Richard. Well, it's true, but it, let's, let's be you know, honest. Uh, a, a, uh, a woman that identifies as a man is not going to compete at, in the National Hockey League ever. Uh, but the NHL has affirmed that if a, a man who identifies as a woman wants to play against other women – they're, they're okay with that, and they have considerable influence, and that's dangerous because we've already seen biological men who identify as a woman get into a boxing ring with a woman and do serious damage, and it's going to happen again and again, and I, don't, I guess we have to wait for someone to die before we you know, come to our senses. Uh, but that's, uh, that's on a heavier note. I just wanted I wanted to I was out working on the backyard hockey rink when you sent me the uh, the audio file and uh, I was uh, I had to drop my tools and uh, and uh, fight for my right to party there. Great job. Great job. Enjoyed Thank it. Thank you, my Keep friend. Them coming. Keep them coming. I, I really appreciate that. And, I, and I'm with you 100 percent. What they're doing to women's sport is an absolute travesty. It's disastrous. And, uh, you know, as far as that, as far as guys going in there in a boxing ring. Uh, there's something seriously wrong with the people that allow that to happen. But thanks oh, yeah. again for having me on, on your show, my friend. Really, And great con- continued success on 
on your show. It's fantastic. And uh, you're doing just a terrific job. Thanks, pal. Mark Petroni, heard weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. right here on Saga 960. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. Until tomorrow at 4, don't be late. I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Tuesday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.